Good evening, everyone. Um, my legs are shaking. <laughs> I wore my shortest pair of heels, so the chances of me tripping and falling in front of everyone is substantially lower. Um, may not be zero, but the chances are substantially lower. Um, so I can't move forward without giving honor to my bishop and to his family and the ministry and my whole church family and my family <laughs> and everyone. Um, I am so blessed to be at this church. I, I love my bishop and I love my church. Um, I had shared something with Bishop back in February and um, God had given me this dream and um, at first, I, I told him, I was like, you know, I feel like God wants me to share it with the church. And I'm thinking during corporate prayer announcements, you know, quick five minutes, there you go. And he was like, oh, no, you're going to teach on a Wednesday night. I was like, okay. Um, so I'm going to get into this really quick because there's a lot, and I don't want to take up any more than I the time I am allotted. So um, back in February, I had this dream, and um, in the dream... It was like I was in this military bunker that was huge. It, I couldn't even see one wall from the other. It was enormous and just, you know, packed with bunk beds and everything. And um, there were a lot of people there, a lot of people I knew and didn't know. Um, and it was like it was my first time to be there because uh, everybody was talking about what was going to happen when everyone went to sleep. And I was confused. I was like, what are y'all talking about? I don't understand. And someone very nonchalantly says, well, every night there are these demons that screech at us. And it's very hard for us to sleep. And we're afraid that we're not going to make it through the night. And um, they're saying it casually, like, oh, this, yeah, this happens all the time. And I'm like, there are what's that do what every night? Um, so I'm like, this is going to be interesting. Um, so somebody, you know, turns off the lights, and no sooner did the lights go off than there is this unnatural screeching that just filled the air. It was like you, you couldn't even hear yourself think. It was so loud. It was like there were thousands of birds that were filling the room, but it wasn't like little tweet-tweet birds. It was like, you know, deathly-sounding birds. Um, and again, it was like there were birds because there's all this chaotic flapping going on around me, and you just feel it's pitch black in there, and you can't, even, you can't even hear anything. You can't see anything. You just feel all this flapping and everything. Um, so I'm laying there, and it was like a realization hit me that even though it was chaotic, even though I should have been terrified, not only was I not afraid, but I realized that they weren't touching me. They weren't even hurting me. And even though you could feel like the, the wind from their wings or whatever hitting you, it was like they weren't even brushing me, just, you know. And when that registered, I knew exactly what to do. And I just opened my mouth, and as loud as I could, I yelled Jesus, just one word. And it was like someone flipped a switch, and it was silence. And so the next morning, this is still in the dream, the next morning when everyone woke up, um, they were kind of, you know, they're showing relief, like, oh, you know, phew, we made it through another night. And um, it was like everybody, 
knew that I was the one that yelled that, even though it was really loud in there, and it's kind of impossible for them to hear me. It was like they heard me. And they're all kind of, you know, saying like, oh, you know, we made it, and they're glancing over at me. And nobody was saying anything to me, but they're looking over, and you can see the wheels turning, because they're like, how did, how did that happen? Like, we're familiar with that name, but how did, how did that happen? How did she say that name? And then it was like silence. We've been dealing with this forever. So um, when I realized that that dream was from God, because um, I had been praying about it after I had it, um, he gave me the interpretation, and then he gave me a couple of scriptures to go with it. Um, but he told me that the demons were fear and intimidation. He said that people... Uh, or, or the devil tries to get fear and intimidation to be so loud in people's minds that they can't even hear themselves think. And um, uh, I'm, let's go ahead and turn to Daniel. So um, he also showed me that the reason people looked at me and knew it was me is because they knew something was different because it was like most of the people in there were not people who were saved, who were in church. So it was like they saw there was something different, and they, they recognized that. Um, so God gave me Daniel, and I'm going to kind of fly through. I'm not really going to read a lot of the verses, but I'm going to paraphrase a lot. Um, so if you don't know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel um, was one of the presidents that was appointed under uh, Darius, who was king of Babylon at the time. And there were three presidents, and he had 120 princes under them to help, like, rule the kingdom and govern things. Um, but it says that Daniel was favored by the king, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So you know when you get in a position like that, there's going to be jealousy. Well, the other presidents, the other two presidents and princes, uh, start to get jealous of Daniel, so they try to figure out a way to bring him down. And... Um, they, the, the scripture says in verse four that they looked for ways to find fault with him and they couldn't find any fault with him in his duties, but they knew that every day he prayed three times a day at his window. So they said, okay, we can't find fault with him and how he helps to rule the kingdom. So let's turn to his God, this, this thing over here that he worships. Um, so they go to the king and they're, they're like, hey, you know, King Darius, you know, we love you, live forever, whatever. They're buttering him up, you know. Um, they say all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, so they included Daniel in this, all the presidents, um, have consulted together to establish a royal statute. This is in verse 6 and 7. And to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days Save of you, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So they want to make this decree because they know good and well that if Daniel worships his God like he does three times a day, he's going to be thrown into a den of lions. So right there, they're trying to bring fear into Daniel, and they're trying to intimidate him to say, okay, if you don't start acting the way we want you to act, there's going to be consequences. So... Um, what struck me when I read this, because it wasn't apparent in a lot of Sunday school classes growing up, was that this decree was only set for 30 days. And I don't know why that never occurred to me before. I always thought the decree was for 
all time, you know, as long as King Darius is king of Babylon. And when I thought about it, I was like, okay, so Daniel could have given in to the fear and intimidation and said, um, you know, this is only for 30 days, so let me just take a prayer break for 30 days, and then the 31st day, resume business as usual. And um, he clearly did not do that, because it says that now when, in verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows were open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He didn't get on his knees and was like, God, you know, please don't let me die. Don't let me get thrown into the den of lions. I'm so sorry. He gave thanks to God, just like he did before, like nothing had changed. So if, if Daniel had allowed that fear to get the better of him, fear of being thrown into the lion's den, he would have traded a natural death for a spiritual one. If he would have said, okay, well, I'm not going to die. I'm going to take a prayer break for those 30 days. Yeah, he would have saved his physical body, but he would have died spiritually. You can't go 30 days without prayer after praying three times a day. So it says that, um, you know, here come the tattletales. They're like, hey, King, we had no idea this was going to happen. Total shock. But your teacher's pet over here... um, He's been praying to his God, this Hebrew God over here. And I know you made this decree, you signed this decree that anybody who does that gets thrown into a den of lions, but like, what do you think we should do about it? And of course, the king has to abide by the decree. He throws Daniel into a den of lions. But it says that Darius told Daniel, the God you serve will be able to deliver you. He recognized there was something in Daniel that was different, that was going to save him from that. So um, another thing is I, I don't see with Daniel's track record that he went silently into the, the den of lions because he had been praying so much before then. I don't think he just like got thrown in and he was just like, ah, you know, I think he was calling out to his God who he knew would save him. So um, I need to fly through this because I have, you know, a lot more uh, in the other scripture. But um, the next day, King Darius rushes down and he opens the, you know, I don't know if they had some kind of cover or whatever, but he sees that Daniel's still alive. He pulls him out of the pit. Um, he throws all of the other presidents and princes with their families into the pit Um, and then he makes a decree that, um, I'm going to read in verse 26 and 27, that in every dominion of my kingdom, this King Darius talking, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And uh, I want to go to um, 
I almost said the book of Moses. I feel like I'm not the only one who said that. Um, <laughs> the book of Exodus. Um, again, I'm going to paraphrase really quickly. Um, I don't know how much time I have. I have my phone up here, and I'm not even looking at what time I came up here. Um, so the Israelites, we're all familiar with the story. The Israelites were captives of the Egyptians. They were their slaves. And, um, you know, God wanted to set them free, so he sent plagues against the Egyptians. The Egyptians eventually had to set them free. So they go, um, you know, across the desert. They get to the Red Sea, and they're kind of at a standstill there. Well, the Egyptians are over there thinking like, oh, we miss our buddies. You know, they're our BFFs. They're really good at working and stuff. Um, so they decide that they're going to go get their pals back so they can do all the work for them. So they set off in their chariots and, you know, just a bunch of warriors who show up at the Egyptian, uh, at the Israelites campsite. And um, I did a little digging into the current weapons that the Egyptians were using at that time. And I learned that this is probably during the 13th dynasty. It's, it's very hard to place exactly. But the reason they think it was during the 13th dynasty was because at that time, there were what was called the Hyksos, which were a people that were living among the Egyptians. And they had um, introduced the chariot to the Egyptians. So um, what they also brought was a better compound bow and daggers that the Egyptians wore at their hips and, you know, just different things that helped to modernize the Egyptian army. So imagine this modern, intimidating army that shows up in these chariots in front of a bunch of shepherds and families and women with their holding their babies and stuff and they just show up, and the Israelites are freaking out, like, what are we going to do against this army over here? And um, one scripture, God just asked me to, to pull up one scripture in particular, um, and that is in verse 13. I don't think it is a coincidence that Sister Brown talked about standing still. Um, verse 13 says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And I looked up standstill. It not only means in this particular passage to take one stand, but it means to stand with someone. So Moses was, he was encouraging the people to stand together. So don't, don't freak out and go off on your own over here. Stand together. We're in this together. We're stronger together. So I'm, I am almost done. I went through that faster than I thought I was going to. But the main points I wanted to make is that when Moses said stand with someone, there are about maybe two or three different people that I'm going to be talking to tonight. I don't mean like individuals. I just mean with different, going through different things. The first group are the people who needed to be encouraged by this word tonight to know that whenever you take a stand, you are witnessing to the people around you. 
It's not doing anything. Just because people aren't coming up to you and constantly asking questions, it doesn't mean that you're not having an impact on them. Their wheels are turning. They see that there's something different. And the other group are those who are currently being tormented by fear and intimidation. God said we can't allow the same chaos that the people of the world are being influenced by to influence us as well. If you are a born-again child of God, you have been baptized, you've received the Holy Ghost, you have the ability to stop the torment. You just need to say one word. And you know what? If you say it once and it doesn't stop, you say it again and again and again until you stop the devil from tormenting you. You're not alone in this. You have a church family. You have intercessors who may not know they're interceding for you. Maybe God hasn't showed them specific people they're interceding for, but they are for you. They are praying for you. You have a bishop who loves you. Who He prays for everyone in this church. I know he does. And he is praying for you as well. And this is also for those who need that realization that the people who are out there in the world who don't know God are being tormented by things. Like I said earlier, there were people I knew and people I didn't know in the dream. I believe God showed me some people I do know. That way I could realize that, man, those people seem so happy. They seem so content on the outside. But there's things at night that are tormenting them. They don't know what to do. The darkness is closing in on them. They don't know if they're going to make it through the night. And they're going, they're looking for a light. They're looking for something to silence those voices. And there was, there was something that God kind of spoke to me. And it, it came kind of funny because I didn't feel like, I felt like it was almost like interpretation, but I didn't feel to give forth tongues and I didn't feel to give forth interpretation. I just feel like he kind of gave me this word and I'm sitting there in service and I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like you're wanting me to share this. Like, what, are you wanting me to share this? Is this for me? What is this? And then he told me to share it at the end of this teaching. This is a message to the enemy. Hear, O Lucifer, adversary, deceiver, father of lies, and tremble. For your kingdom will not stand against the attack that I shall bring upon it. My children are rising up. I have equipped them with the sword of my word to cut down the lies you have spoken in people's ears. They go forward with their feet shod in the preparation of the gospel that will bring peace to the chaos you have brought to this world. My kingdom shall be established and I shall rule and reign as king forever. Your kingdom shall be crushed to dust and blown away with the wind. But my kingdom shall be established and I shall reign as king over all.